This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. There's something about colder days that get dark sooner that make me want to eat more home-cooked meals. With so many food-centric holidays at this time of the year, it can be tempting to try cooking them myself, or at least put on TV shows and films about delicious food, like Babette's Feast, Tampopo, or Big Night. Joining us now to talk through some popular holiday movies that focus on food are two of our former WBEZ colleagues. Monica Ng is a Chicago reporter for Axios and co-host of the Chewing Podcast. Welcome back, Monica. Thanks, Sasha. So good, good to, to see here. you. Same. Also with us, Jesse Dukes, radio producer, editor, and co-host of the podcast Upper Middlebrow. Hey, Jesse. Hey, it's great to be here. Monica, settle this debate here for us. What makes a good movie about food? What do you look for? What are the elements? Lots of food porn shots. Yeah, where you're it's the seeing, visuals, isn't it? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> the chopping of the onions, the sizzling of the bacon, uh, so that you can almost smell it in smellovision vision that you create on your own. Do you agree, Jesse? I like all of that too, although I think the thing that I most love is when the movie is really... It, it, it makes you believe in the power of the food to kind of create some kind of transcendent social experience. You know, like somebody cooks something amazing and it, I don't know, it gets the family members talking to each other again. Or it, it, it gets everybody in a state of ecstasy that they haven't experienced for a while. So I love those moments in those movies, but only when it feels authentically so, only when you buy it. And I think the things that Monica is talking about contribute to that too and I also I, I agree with her I, I just love seeing all the the prep too yeah for sure for sure so I'm Thank curious you. Monica I'm going to put the question to you what is one movie then that you reach for whenever you're in the mood for a foodie film I have to say um eat drink man woman ah why what stands out well, again, amazing um, uh, shots of food preparation, but also, you know, I'm half Asian, so this great Asian family story and the idea that um, that a guy can be sort of a great chef and cook, but also make these wonderful, loving Tiffin meals uh, for a, a young girl to bring to school. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, relationship stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's, and, and, and also, you know, uh, older people as they, mature, um, kind of, you know, wondering what they're going to do with their life after their legacy of, of cooking. I think it, it's all there. And, but it's, it's, I have to say, it's mostly the food. Shots. It's mostly the food. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm hearing you, Monica, but yeah. I think it's mostly the visuals for you. Um, Jesse, you recommended a 1987 Danish film, Babette's Feast. Now I admit I haven't seen this one. So yeah. tell me about it first of all. Well, okay. So I also had not seen it, but I had heard about it for a, a long time. And it turns out that actually it's kind of oddly part of my family history in a way that I didn't realize until until recently. But the movie is set in the 1890s. It was based on this short story um, by Karen Blixen uh, set in the 1890s or something like that or 1880s in this Danish village where everybody is kind of like something like a Puritan, like a strict Protestant um, you know they don't they don't really believe in taking pleasure in earthly things they're sort of their entire life is about preparing for the afterlife and serving God simple clothes um, and then this French woman Babette shows up she's kind of a refugee from some political turmoil in France and they take her in and a bunch of things happen but she slowly starts cooking better for everybody and then towards the end of the movie 
she comes into a certain amount of money and she asks to cook a feast sort of in gratitude for being taken in and they are terrified that she's going to cook a sinful feast you know that she's going to expose them to earthly pleasures and so she is ordering cow's heads and a live turtle and a bunch of quail and all of these amazing things and then you see her cook it in this kind of oil painting looking kitchen and prepare the meal for these people who really don't want to enjoy it because they're afraid it's going to be sinful and I, I won't tell you what happens um, but but it's it's good it's lovely and it's it's quiet it's one of those quiet you know uh, sort of foreign films that you know Hollywood doesn't make that much anymore or or ever um, you know, there's a lot happening below the surface with the characters, but I think the acting is really good and the visuals are beautiful and it's just a great story. And so I had never actually watched it until we watched it on Upper Middle Brow. And yeah. I'm, I'm so glad I did. That is so cool. There's a, another foodie film that comes to mind then, and it's one uh, that's from 1985. And it's one of your favorites, Monica, Tampopo. Yeah, um, for anybody who's ever eaten a pack of instant ramen or gone for the like $15, $20 version at fancy places, this is for you. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the message in this film? Well, I mean, I think the message was, you know, excellence in cooking, but also um, learning and entrepreneurship. Um, but, you know, mostly for me. But it's ramen. Just dissecting every <laughs> single bit of the ramen bowl and how to eat it and um, and how to, um, to really in enjoy life in that way. I was going to say, like, I think all that's true, but I also think that movie, which I also saw for the first time, has a lot of social commentary in it. And because you have this main story of these people trying to make the perfect bowl of ramen, but then there are all these other little skits, you know, these other little stories that aren't really about the main characters that are exploring different relationships that people have with food. And some of those relationships are kind of, you know, messed up, you know, sort of food as status. And, uh, you and know, sexual food a, things, too. A, creepy sexual things. Things too, yeah. Well, that, I don't judge. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, I judge a little Are bit. Are we still talking um, about ramen here, guys? <laughs> uh, well, not in that moment. Other, but, other um, food, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like there's this one story that's happening, but every now and again, the camera gets curious and it sort of wanders away from the main characters. And you see, and this is you know Japan in the 1980s, so you see kind of other glimpses of how people relate to food in their lives. So, folks, we've been talking about watching foodie movies. I'm curious if they've ever inspired you to try cooking that food yourself. Monica, you first. Wow. Um, well, when I saw um, Como Agua para Chocolate, uh, like Water for Chocolate, mm -hmm. boy, did I want to make <laughs> a really nice mole poblano. Uh, you know, so mole is, is, is a Mexican sauce that can have like 20, 30 ingredients. Um, I've only tried it once. Um, actually, Al Keefe, one of the um, one of our, our another WBEZ here, colleague, yeah. he came and he's like, "Hey, Monica, I made some mole poblano." I'm like, "And you you bought the paste, right?" He's like, "No, I made it from scratch." He's he is one ambitious cook. Um, <laughs> it was delicious, but I've only done that once. But if you watch that movie, you're going to want to do it, and you're going to want to be in a good mood when you cook it because you learn that your mood can translate to the mood of the people who eat your food. That's a interesting uh, yeah. discovery. So you want to cook with love and happiness all the time, yeah. not bitterness. I love that. What about you, Jesse? 
Yeah, um, well, since watching Tampopo uh, about three or four weeks ago, I have twice tried to make uh, tonkatsu ramen, and the, the tricky part is the broth. Yeah. Um, and the first time was bad, I would say. I mean, it's it still tastes okay, but you get something that is not... It's kind of messy and not as perfect looking as the delicious bowls of ramen. Second time I nailed the broth, uh, the, the roasted pork was not quite as good. Uh, another story, though, this is kind of, I'll, I'll try to tell this really quickly, but we have a pop quiz in our show, Upper Middle Brow, and uh, I asked my co-host Chris this question uh, about actual meals that had been served at this fancy French restaurant, and I made up some fake ones, and one of them was called Boulet du Mouton, or Palm au Boulet du Mouton, which, um, little PG-13 here, you could translate that several different ways, but one would be potatoes with sheep's balls or uh, balls of sheep's. And so I thought he would um, realize that that was, you know, a bit of a 13-year-old joke. You know? Right. Um, but he thought that was true because it does sort of sound like a French meal. So I decided that I was going to make the lie true. And I created a recipe called Boulet du Mouton, which oh. is a kind of like minced lamb in uh, rolled up with some uh, like port wine and some onions and maybe some raisins and um, goat cheese and honey and then baked in puff pastry, which is similar to the kind of cooking that Babette is doing yeah. in Babette's Feast. Oh, that sounds and impressive. It's a winner. Uh, and I, I the recipe is available on the upper middle. And it actually turned out well. I mean, I, I don't know. Puff pastry, like, you know, roasted sheep. How, how can you go wrong? But um, but uh, so Boulet de Mouton was in, was purely based on the inspiration of watching. La la. Ooh la la, Boulet de Mouton. Uh, I know we're talking films, Monica, but you <laughs> were telling me that you also got inspired by something that you saw on the bear. Yes. And you decided to make it. I sure did. Um, so it is not the, the Feast of the Seven Fishes, which uh, was probably one of the most traumatic episodes of The Bear I've ever seen. Uh, not least of which because I, I had an Italian mother-in-law who used to cook the Feast of the Seven Fishes. And let's just say she she did not act exactly like Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> but sometimes. Anyway, so The Bear, as we know, it's all about, well, uh, an Italian beef place. And so I was writing a story for Axios where um, we were talking about uh, Midwestern dishes, and I thought, okay, I'd seen some people talk about Italian beef stuffing, where you take two beefs, you get them dipped, you bring them home, you chop them up small, put them into a buttered casserole, and then you let them get nice and crispy on top. Okay, delicious. I tried that. But here's my idea to go viral mm -hmm. for your next holiday party or your next holiday brunch. You take those chopped up beefs and get them with cheese this time. So you get a cheesy dipped beef with jardinera and sweet peppers. Chop it up small, mm. as small as you want. Toss it together. Buttered dish. But I'm sorry, before you put it in the buttered dish, crack four eggs into there. And guess what you've got? You've got like a, a strata or a frittata that you are baking in the oven with beef, sweet peppers, spicy peppers, cheese, and toasty bread. Monica. Uh, right? And I hear you haven't told anyone about this. No, I haven't yet? even made it yet. It's oh. all in my brain right now. Reset exclusive. A reset exclusive. I love it. Now, okay, what if you don't want to actually cook, but you still want to divulge in some delicious food while you're watching a foodie film? Do you have a go-to, you know, movie takeout pairing that you would recommend? Jesse, anything come to mind? 
Well, this is a great town for ramen. Um, and uh, there, I mean, actually, just uh, as I was about to depart Chicago, went to one of my favorite places, High Five Ramen. Um, and I think they do takeout. Um, nice. They're kind of hard to get into. There's another place uh, in Bridgeport uh, called Shinya Ramen that is an excellent place. And I've been to some other places farther up north, but I, I'm a sort of southwest cider. Um, and so, I mean, I feel like I'm trying to think of the other cuisine. Oh, Taiwanese hot pot or Chinese hot pot, like the kind of cuisine that you see them cooking in um, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Yeah. There are a couple of great places that do that uh, in Chicago's Chinatown. I, be- I bet you could get takeout, although I don't know how you would do. Um, but you could also go there after. Yeah, I would, I would say ramen Ramen might be tricky to do. I mean, the, the noodles might get soggy you while you wait in a separate container yeah they'll separate it for you and then you mix it together at home but it's definitely better at the restaurant and then you can watch them sort of fold the noodles over and the broth glisten and all that yeah that's true what about you monica i would uh rent mystic pizza mm-hmm. when julie roberts was still an unknown mm-hmm. and then i'd get uh new haven style pizza from peace probably your best one in chicago or go for maybe a new york style you don't have to be so doctrinaire about it um that would be jimmy's um, GGOs, they do a really nice uh, mm. New York style. Like that New Haven, the piece is, piece is where it's at. It's just something about the crust that I find more enjoyable. I think pizza's where it's at for me, period. Yeah, pizza <laughs> and movies. There pizza you go. and well, movies. This is a great pizza. It, that's town just an too. easy phone call, or, you know. Uh, pizza just... goes with any movie, to be honest. Right. I mean, like, it's you there can in minutes. Watch. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Pizza, you know, it's a big part of cultural identity. And we know that uh, Chicago is rich when it comes to cultural diversity, Monica. So talk about some of the different groups of folks that, you know, in these coming days or the days that have just passed, they're celebrating foodie holidays. That's right. Well, today, well, um, recently we were in the last day of Hanukkah. And um, because oil and the Maccabees are connected with Hanukkah, you often eat fried foods. So we're talking latkes. We're talking mm. sufganiyot. It's an excuse to have a nice fried jelly donut or a wonderful potato pancake. In fact, recently in Axios, we did our list of the 10 best places for potato pancakes, schmaltz, mm. mayonnaise, the magic jug. Um, the list goes on. Um, so those are great. Uh, I recently wrote about Peruvian tamales in a lot of Latino cultures. We um, have tamaladas. We have parties where we all make tamales yeah. uh, for Christmas. So um, I would say definitely go and get those oh, in Chicago. Like There's a bakery called Miski in Portage Park. You're thinking, Miski, Portage Park must be Polish. No, Miski means delicious in Quechua. So uh, oh. that's why that's why <laughs> they have Peruvian tamales. Um, and I recently got those. The delicious. more you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there are a ton of uh, holiday foods um, that that we eat, um, you know, you can get your turkey cooked in a lot of ways. You can get it. You can go to a Chinese barbecue place, Hong Kong barbecue places, and have your turkey cooked like it's a like it's a barbecued duck or a, a barbecued chicken. You can get it cooked at um, jerk places, mm-hmm. um, mm. and we like to stuff. We, my grandmother, my Puerto Rican grandmother, liked to cook her turkey like it was a leg of roast pork. So she yes. put the garlicky uh, seasoning all over it. You had me at jerk places. Oh yeah, <laughs> my, jerk turkey. My, Great. My Jamaican tummy is just yes. I'm I'm all about that. How are you celebrating this holiday season with food, Jesse? God, honestly, I don't know because I'll be on the road in my mobile office. I'll have to figure that out. But a jerk turkey is a really good idea. Um, 
That's a good question. I, I, I can I could think of a few other holiday meals that I would eat if I were in Chicago or at least things. What's the Swedish mold wine that comes out in Andersonville? Is that called Glug? Uh, yeah, if you can find one of those places. Simon's that is serving, on Clark. Um, Simon's on Clark. I think I've been there before or, or another similar place. Um, I mean, actually... One thing I often do, and I'll, I don't know if I'm going to have an oven or not, but in my family, my family is Luxembourgish, um, and so my sister is a um, always trying to get us all to get on Zoom together and uh, bake uh, Stollen, which is this kind of German sweetbread slash cake. We would eat it for breakfast on Christmas Day. It's very buttery. Sometimes people put kind of like fruit cakey things in. I have a good friend who is Mexican-American and I gave her a loaf one time and she said it was similar to Three Kings cake, although I think oh, that okay. is sweeter, um, which got me thinking about like those interesting intersections of like, you know, there were a lot of Germans in Mexico. Is that where that comes from? I don't know exactly, you know, but we started having conversations like that. So that's that's one of my traditions. But it sort of depends on whom I who I'm with and um, what I have access to in terms of a kitchen. Well, I wish you all delicious, delicious meals this holiday season. Jesse Dukes is a radio producer, editor and co-host of the podcast Upper Middle Brow. Monica Ng is a local reporter for Axios and also co-host of Chewing the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sasha. Happy holidays. Thank you, Sasha. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.